Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on another Tuesday night. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. Great to have your company once again on Triple H 100.1 FM and on the web at au and at podcasts.com wherever you pick up your podcast afterwards whether that be Spotify or iTunes or TuneIn again as we have intimated we cover the issues outside of the mainstream that the big boys don't want to cover when we go back to rugby league we talk about the international game We get caught up during the NRL and the season and state of origin and we think things are all hunky-dory. And look, in this part of the world, in Brisbane, in some parts of New Zealand and in some parts of England, yes, the game of rugby league is going well. But there is a slowly growing, burgeoning international game that a lot of people don't know about and that we don't hear about in the period between Rugby League World Cups. We are two years away from the next Rugby League World Cup in the UK in the October-November period of 2021. And then there's this Global Nines tournament that's being run later this year in October to cover that. And he's got strong opinions on that. He's very heavily involved in the international game. It's our great friend again, the editor, proprietor of Australia's only independent rugby league journal that you can get at all good news agencies, some bad Greek ones, and by subscription, it's Rugby League Review, Terry Liberopoulos. Hello again and welcome to Splinters. Thanks for those kind words, Tony, and it's great to be back on the show. Indeed. All right, let's get stuck straight down to business. Let's talk about the Rugby League World Cup that's coming up in two years' time. We've had some announcements that not many people have probably gathered uh, the announcement of the eight teams for the Women's Rugby League World Cup and the eight teams for the Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup, which were announced last week, late last week, as this episode of Splinters goes to air on July the 23rd, late last week, around the 19th of July, by the Rugby League International Federation and the Rugby League World Cup. And to cut a very long story short, the eight women's teams, England, Australia... Brazil, Canada, the Cook Islands, France, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea. Not many surprises there. In the wheelchair uh, uh, Rugby League World Cup, uh, the eight nations confirmed there are England, Australia, France who hold the wheelchair Rugby League World Cup, Norway, Scotland, Spain, the United States of America and Wales. Yes, well, with the world chair, it's always been big in, in Europe. Uh, as, you can, as you said, France are the world champions. You've got Norway joining in. Um, they've really, they've really taken it very serious there. It's, we've only just started really um, looking at the wheelchair rugby league here in Australia. And I just think that you know, there's, there's plenty of more countries that can play wheelchair rugby league. And it's not just... You don't have to be a rugby league country, really, to play, play wheelchair rugby league. You know, and it's, and the, the more exposure, the, the better. And with the women's rugby league, we've got eight teams, two more than last time. Yep. France couldn't make it; they just couldn't afford it last time. They would have been there. 
and of course Brazil, which is you know it is a surprise packet there. Yes. Uh, I thought maybe you know the likes of Italy might have gone through. Uh, they're playing women's rugby league. They played Turkey a few months ago, and believe it or not, in come September, Greece will play Turkey in the in their first women's ru- international rugby league in Adelaide, which is on the border of Greece and Turkey. Yeah, we'll come to what's happening with that international pretty much in the second half of the program. But let's look at the uh, qualification then for the Men's World Cup, which is going to be run concurrently or simultaneously alongside the men's, uh, sorry, the women's and wheelchair rugby league tournaments, all culminating together on finals day, where all three finals will be played on the same bill. The wheelchair first, followed by the women's and then the men's rugby league World Cup in November 2021 at a venue still to be decided. It could be Old Trafford, it could be somewhere in London. But right now we have 11 of the 16 qualifiers. Yes, that's right. 16 teams for the first time in the Rugby League World Cup in 2021. So on the surface there, Terry, first time we've got to a genuine tournament with 16 teams and four groups of four straight out, three pool games in each pool. First two go through to the quarterfinals straight knockout from there. There's no convoluted extra matches to make up for uneven pool sizes. And at least that's a good start and good to see. It is. I'll just go back to the year 2000. They had 16 nations there. Uh, if you do remember, New Zealand Maori played played in that 2000 World that's Cup. True. I, that's I true. I don't know why they had New Zealand Maori. I love it when they play, you know, they have the games against other nations. I mean, there was talk that maybe the Australian Aboriginals should have played that well, as a result. Already, and yeah, that, there was when, talk, you di- I mean, when you dilute that, that's when you have an ungenuine World Cup. This is not going to be the case this no, time. 16 it, genuine national teams. It is, but you've got to remember in 2000, you know, the World Cup lost money. Um, and then they had to go back. They had to wait eight years till 2008 when we had 10 nations here in Australia. And they did that, they did that because... They needed to make a profit, and they did. They made a profit in 2013, 2017. At least now, every four years, we're going to have a World Cup. You know, the soccer does it, the union does it. We can't just have a break, you know, four, eight years, six years. It's got to be every four years, and that's what they're going to stick to. And since 2013, it's, we had 2017, we've got 2021 booked in, 2025 booked in. We've well, that's booked on. in at the moment, but with massive question marks, we're going to discuss in yeah. the second half of the program. But 16 is the right number at the moment. Um, Look, who knows, in, in the next 8, 12, 16 years, um, we'll have 20 teams. You know, what? why not? You know, the more the better. But you've just got to be careful that there's enough support and there's enough, you know, there's, they, they make money out of this. Because if you don't make a profit, you know, you're not going to have a World Cup. And that's what happened in 2004. There wasn't a World Cup because they were trying to work out how to make money. But now... More and more people are, are jumping at this chance to play in the World Cup, and we're getting more nations. We're getting over 50 nations. I mean, I started following rugby league, and I remember the Australia played Papua New Guinea for the first time, and I go, what? 1988 it was, yes. 82, they played. So 1982, on the way to the, to the Kangaroo they, Tour. That's right, when they split the tourists, one half went, went to, to Papua New Guinea, and the other half played Western Australia inside the old Cannington Greyhound track. That's right, and... And that was WA led to Australia 3-0 just quietly in that match. Oh, sorry, 5-0. They scored the first try in Western Australia that day at Cannington before the Australian Kangaroos that that day were led by Wally Lewis and Peter Sterling, I believe, went on to win 38 points to 5. But that's a bye. That's, 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 a, that's a digression. Yeah. 
So, so but that was, it wasn't that long ago when you had five nations playing rugby league. And yeah. They, and the World Cup, a lot of a lot of listeners wouldn't realise that they had this 1975 and 1977 that was actually called the World Series. Yes. And then after 77, it went uh, to another nation. And then in 1985, they bought it out the, um, every third test or every second test. The third test of every three test series and the second test of every was two test series. Was counted towards the World Cup. Correct. Points. And then in 1988... We had Australia and New Zealand, and they finished the top two, and they played at Eden Park, and there was like something like forty-eight thousand people there. Correct. Fantastic game, and then United, they did it again between eighty-nine and ninety-two. They played it in England. They had how many people they had? Just, they had a, a huge crowd at. They filled Wembley, eighty-three thousand filled Wembley for that game. ninety-two World Cup and final. Thankfully, in '95, when they had a hundred-year celebration in, of rugby league, we had a World England. Cup, a proper they had tournament, a proper World Cup. But the English, the England rugby league. Hats off to them. They decided, hey, we need more teams. And that's when they decided to bring in the likes of Tonga, Samoa, which were then known as Western Samoa. They came in there. They decided they brought in South Africa in as well. Russia played in the 2000 World Cup. That's right. Had 100 points put on them by Australia. And I was there. I was there for that game. And, and actually it was Donovan that scored the try for Russia. And... He was named the man of the match because I was part of the voting criteria and I said, you know. Give him, give him something for it the was actually man the of the match. match. Emirates was a sponsor and they had to try the match and we gave it to him. Australia scored 100 <laughs> metre tries and this was from a kick and we gave him the try the match. It was 100 points to six that night, I think it was. It was more, I think it was 110 or something. 110 to four. 110 to four, correct. 110 to four. I've never been so cold. My head was freezing. I had to buy a whole FC... Uh, beanie and people people always look at me with that because I'm a whole Kingston Rovers fan oh jeez well you had to do what you had to do to I keep warm that, that night I would have been dead from that cold and, and then of course from there we had then the 2008 tournament which was the celebration of the centenary of the game here in Australia that famous win by New Zealand in the final at Sun. Lane Park yep. slash, slash Suncorp the, uh, the the last days of Ricky Stewart as the Australian coach the clash with Ashley Klein and the Hotel foyer in Brisbane the next day, and then that led to the 2013 World Cup. Tim Sheens was appointed the Australian coach. They brought the World Cup back against the New Zealand side that included Sonny Bill Williams in that tournament, one of the great internationals, that semi-final between New Zealand and Great Britain. Uh, so New Zealand and England, England yep. at uh, uh, Wembley Stadium. And that was decided in the last two minutes. When Sean Johnson scored and... Um... And then it was a one-sided final. And then, of course, in 2017, we had that very grafting, hard-fought final back at Suncorp slash Lane Park, the lowest ever-scoring World Cup final with Australia winning by six points to nil. So that's the potted history. And that was one of the, the hottest... Mm. The humidity on that day was unbelievable. That night, yes, absolutely. So... Out of all of that, we look towards 2021. We know that the eight invitations have gone out for the women's and wheelchair tournaments. And Australia are the defending women's world champions from the 2017 final, which was played as the curtain raiser, to the men's final, that 6-0 game that followed. So we've actually been underway for over 18 months. The qualification started very early for this 2021 World Cup. You've been involved with in that very much... Uh, front on with the Greek Rugby League, of which you're yep. very much heavily involved, which we'll come to in the second half of the program. But right now, we have 11 of the 16 teams having already qualified for that 2021 World Cup. The eight quarterfinalists 
yep. from the last tournament. Australia, England, New Zealand, Tonga, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, and Lebanon. Yep. We already have three teams that have qualified from around the world. Two European qualifiers, France, who won the European Championship, yep. who defeated Wales in what was virtually the final. Wales then secured their place as runners-up yep. in the European Championships when they defeated Ireland uh, at the race course ground at Wrexham last November. So Wales and France are, are there. Yep. And then famously in Jacksonville last November, the Jamaican reggae boys created history, qualifying for their first ever Rugby League World Cup finals tournament. A thrilling win over the United States Tomahawks. In the end, it was 16 points to 10. The United States threw everything at Jamaica in that second half. The reggae boys held on. And since then, Terry, they proved that win was no fluke. They beat the United States again in the very first Rugby League International held in Jamaica during that international weekend yeah. at the back end of June 26-24. Well, it's, a great, it's great to have a new nation in the World Cup. Um, and Jamaica, a lot of Jamaicans in, in the UK. So Absolutely. they're going to have a lot of support, which will be fantastic. I hope they come out in droves and support them. And I hope they, they just they put a couple of the games or down south where they got a bit of support not just up north and I think this, this is going to add a flavour just a great international flavour something different it's not the same nations all the time it's great to get a new new nation in and I think Jamaica they'll be there in years to come because they've got a lot of players especially in the UK yes that's that they true they can draw from mm-hmm. and things are, things are going well back home in Jamaica as well and athletically we all know how strong Athletes and how fast they can be. We all know about the Usain Bolts and the and the other great relay runners and sprinters that they've given uh, to world sport. They can convert some of that into rugby league. It could be very exciting. So that leaves us then with a number of qualifying games which are ahead of us later this year in November, around yeah. the time of the triple header at Eaton Park that's going to be played on November 9. In the October-November period, we're going to have a number of Rugby League World Cup qualification matches, the last of the European qualifiers. They are split into two groups of three teams each. Simple round-robin format. Group A will see Ireland take on Italy and Spain in that group. The top two teams qualify for the World Cup. So in the opening round of matches... On October, the weekend of October 26 and 27, Spain will host Ireland. And then on the second weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of November, it will be Italy versus Spain in Italy. And then on the final weekend of qualifying, November 9 and 10, Ireland will host Italy. The top two teams in that group will qualify for the Rugby League World Cup as the Uh, 12th and 13th qualifiers. And then we go to Group B, the group you're very much interested in, after the Greeks qualified, defeating Norway during that uh, uh, international break, one of the first international breaks back in May. And so they joined Group B uh, alongside Russia and Scotland. So that draw sees the weekend of October 26, uh, Scotland hosting Russia. Then on the second weekend... November 2 and 3, Greece will host uh, Scotland. 
and we're going to come to where that's going to be in the second half of the, of the program. And then the big one on the weekend of November 9 and 10 in Moscow when Russia play Greece. Now, when Russia qualified for this section of the tournament, when they overcame uh, Serbia and Spain in that mini pool, there was a lot of controversy about the Russia-Serbia match that was played in Moscow. The Russians played dirty tricks. They did not give visas to anyone with Australian connections or heritage into the country. And they insisted on an all-Serbian squad to enter Russia. They were the only ones that got visas, which meant that the Serbians were without six of their main players and their coach, and they were beaten accordingly in Moscow. You've only just received, you were telling me in the green room a short time ago, that you've only just received the start of the paperwork from the Russian Rugby League about this match on November 9 and 10 in Moscow. Yeah, that's correct. It's, the game will be November 9th. Um, Saturday, November the 9th. Saturday, November the 9th. So we're just starting all the process now um, to get all the visas done. Um, you can't actually apply. I just found out today within three months. You can't be outside of three months. So we only we really can only apply from the start of August. Well, that only gives you a couple of weeks to apply. Well, we're just going to start. We're getting ready to go. Start putting all the applications in. Um, you know, it's, it's not just the, you know the Australian-based players. You know, we've got UK-based players, and of course, we've got the players in Greece. They've got to get a visa as well. So, um, we've all got to start doing it. Now, how confident are you that you will have all visas accepted, given that Russia has form earlier in picking and choosing who they want to enter the country, particularly well, knowing that this is the last game in the pool and a spot in the World Cup is up for grabs. Well, More than likely. I don't think the Russian government really really knows, you know, what's going on with the rugby league. Um, I, I just got told that the, the visas in Serbia, they, it, it was done late, so um, it wasn't done in time. So we're going to have, we're going to do it three months out when, when it's due. So, I mean, it only takes about 10 days to do it. So we're going to do it early and um, it gives us time if it gets rejected or not. You know, put other players in. I don't see why, unless I can't see why they're going to reject it. You know, um, if we do all the correct paperwork, and I'll be going through all that myself. I've done it when Ukraine. I've done all the visas for other countries. So um, I'm just like I said, I'm going to start the process and let's see what happens. If we're not going to leave it to the last month, or the you know, last three four weeks, we're going to you know be ready to go when three months hit in a couple of weeks. How important would it be for the game in Greece, given? the turmoil that's involved there at the moment, which we're going to go into more detail after the break in the second half of the program, how important would it be for this Greek team to overcome Russia on November 9, assuming that Scotland will probably beat them in the match, the home game, seven days prior? Uh, well, they'll open two weeks before um, Scotland and, and, uh, and Russia, so we'll know, we'll have a good idea how they're playing uh, before we play Scotland. But going back to your question, for us to make the World Cup, it's, it'll be huge. It's just, you'll put, you know, rugby league on the map in Greece, uh, especially with the government and saying, hang on, you know, we've got a World Cup team here. Uh, at the moment, it's only a small scale, you know, and we'll talk about the drums there. Um, but it's not just in Greece. In Greece, it'll just, it'll just be a huge publicity for us, you know, open up. And most importantly, go to the government and say, hey, you know, we're in the World Cup. Help us out here. Uh, outside of Greece, 
a lot of Greeks, you know, around the world, a lot of Greeks in Australia, there's still people coming up to me saying, Greece, you know, well, Greece plays rugby league. They still don't know that. But for us to go to the World Cup and then go on you know, TV on Channel 9 or Fox Sports and see Greece, I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, whether we win or lose. It's just, just to be a part of the World Cup. You'd get three guaranteed test matches That's right. against quality opponents. You could very well, the way that the, the draw will be done for this World Cup finals tournament, where the, the top four nations, oh, sorry, Australia, England, New Zealand and, and Tonga, Tonga, I should yeah, say, yeah, will all be separated in the pool stage so they won't have to play each other so yeah. you'll be guaranteed a test match against one of those big four if you qualify and then another test match against a Fiji or a Papua New Guinea or a Samoa uh, elsewhere in the tournament and then a third match against the likes of possibly an Italy or a Jamaica or a, uh, France, a, a, a France or a Wales or even a United States. So that could be uh, great exposure. It would be huge exposure. We could even be playing, Australia could be playing Greece. Who knows? Imagine Australia playing Greece in Italy or something. Who would imagine? You know, just to... And, it's the, and the thing is, there will be Greek-based players. Players playing, you know, the domestic players, they'll be lining up there to play in that game. It's not going to be just 17 Aussie Greeks dressed, you know, all dressed up in their Greek uniform. But the class will come from those Australian and UK-based Of course it will. Of course it come. We're not talking about it. Who play in the Ron Massey Cup. You know, there'll be a small, a small, Sydney Shield, a small amount of players and to make sure. And that's why I don't understand some of these other nations uh, that don't put a couple of these local players in. You know, they go in the World Cup. They're not going to win the World Cup. Put one or two. Put them in the game. Put them on the bench. Give them a go. That exposure is just so so good for the country. I'm not going to mention some of these nations, but these like you talk to them, the locals, and they're, they're frustrated because, you know, we're not talking about giving, you know, 10, 12, you know, 14 players. Just give a small amount the opportunity, not just to be part of it, but to, to actually get a game. Well, that's going to be very important. The other qualifier that, have, uh, that I forgot to mention is going to be the Intercontinental Playoff in Jacksonville, Florida. One-off test match in November yep. in uh, Florida when the United States take on the Cook Islands for the last spot, the 16th and last place in the Rugby League World Cup. The Cook Islands easily defeated South Africa in the first leg of the Intercontinental Playoff, 66-6 yep. at Ring Race Park at Wentworthville on their international weekend in the forgotten test match that no one else covered. And, of course, the United States, with a lot to play for after that loss to Jamaica. They've been beaten by Jamaica again. There's yep. question marks about how the game is actually travelling. We're supposed to be going to the United States slash Canada for the next World Cup after this one in 2025. There's a lot riding on this World Cup qualifier. Frankly, the Cook Islands, with the likes of Chance Nickel Klogstad, who's had a great season for Canberra, who played in the qualifier against Tonga way back that I can remember calling yeah. in uh, 2015 alongside a number of others, um, are going to be pretty hard to beat and will probably start favourites to beat the United States. Oh, well, I'll probably think they'll, you know, they'll win 30-plus. I mean, Cook Islands, uh, they've got a good team. They can, they can draw a few more plays than they did against South Africa and they'll... They'll go there and they'll win. Brad Takarangi from the Parramatta Reels at the moment was a, a dominant figure in that win for the Cook Islands. And he came off, came off. In the, you know, he didn't play, I don't think he played at all in the second half, if I can recall. Yes. Came off and um, they were already on the way. They, they, you know, if he stayed on and they just continued, it would have been 100-0. But 
Uh, the damage was already done by half time, something like 48 nil. Um, and look, it's not a game of how many points you score, they've just got to win. So the damage was done in those first 40 minutes, they rested a few players. But the United States do have a number of strong players themselves. Burita Ferraima, who we know of from his time at the Wentworthville Magpies, and the New Zealand Warriors here in Australia is going okay in the UK currently at the moment. Um, but they're going to be under enormous pressure. Oh, they will. But like I said, I'm tipping, yeah, Cooks will win easily. Yeah, and they'll be back in the World Cup. What about the other group? Uh, not your group, the uh, uh, the Spain, Ireland, Italy group. It's a, you, you would think that Ireland and Italy yes. will start favourites to qualify. I, I think Spain did well to get to this stage. Look, it's just, just the talent they've got, um, both Ireland, you know, especially they've got Super League and Championship players. Italy's got um, all the Australian-based players, just too much experience, uh, and they'll go through. And believe me, when they did the draw, um, they had Spain and Greece, well, they were picked where they're going to go. It was just between them two, and we were two, two. We were praying we didn't, we didn't get the Italy-Ireland group because, you know, frankly, we, we get in that group, It'll be tough. So you rate yourself a good chance, obviously, in this other group. Perhaps the weaker of the two groups, uh, assuming that Scotland will qualify. But look, Scotland in the European Championships last year were not that impressive at all. Yes, but they'll, they'll, I think they'll be the first to qualify. Um, and it's you'll get a good gauge in the first game when they play Russia. They're at, they're at home against Russia. They're not going to sit back and just, um, you know win by two points I think they're going to they're going to do a good job on Russia but then again it's up to Russia to they're the underdogs yeah you, you don't know what to expect from the them. thing about the Russians is, is of course they are purely domestic they are purely they domestic. are 100% they don't have many players or many players at all playing abroad well it's good in one way because of the development for Russia for all domestic players it's bad in some way that you haven't got the experience uh, to, to match the other nations so you know, what do you do? So at the moment, they've really just got the domestic guys. They can just go in there and do what they can. Um, and then, I mean, like you said, the big game is against us. Against uh, the Greeks. Against the Greeks, because, you know, we, we, we just don't know. We don't know what to expect from them. And, you know, we've got to make sure we've got some players. You know, it's, it's not just going to be a, a, a heritage players. It's going to be, you know, a bit of players from Greece as well. Just, we just, everything's just got to click. All right, then. Before we take the break, there is this first match that you play, the home game against uh, Scotland on November 2. At this stage, we're going to go into more detail after the break as to why you are in the situation you are in and having to play your home games away from home. The match against Norway was played in London, for instance. Where are we at right now as we speak about that match on November 2? Where is it going to be played more than likely at the moment? Because it looks like it won't be in Greece at all. I would say, I would say now, and probably here exclusively, now it's 50-50 as we speak. Um, the European Federation, International Federation, they've been very good. They've given us some time. We are trying to work again in this game in Athens. Uh, now, London is our other option. When we played Norway, it wasn't our home game. We got to, people got to know it had to be at a neutral ground. Yes, um, it had, couldn't be in Norway or in or in Greece. So we decided. We looked at Czech Republic. We looked at Serbia. Um, we ended up in London. So we were yep. both happy because there was direct flights from both countries there. Sure, uh, and that's why we played London. And London Scholars is the one that hosted it. They were fantastic yep. hosts, and they said to us, 
Yeah, we, all, we, did, we did discuss if we were to come back here in November and they said, no problem, we'll love to have you back uh, because we're London scholars are in the north of um, London. Yes. Big Greek population. Yep. Uh, even the local mayor where lo- London scholars play yep. uh, is Greek. Well, there you go. There you go. And they, it, she didn't know. She came in, couldn't believe it. The Greek national team. I've got to remember 13 were from Greece. She looked like it was my mum, you know, talking Greek to him. It was like, <laughs> that's what I thought, you know, it looked like it was my auntie. Um, but going back to the, the, the well, like I said, it's 50 50. Uh, the reason is uh, they, well, had elections. they had elections. They had elections a couple of weeks ago, and the party that was in there uh, lost, and we've got a new party. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you in the second half what what, 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 what the implications yeah. of that are, because it is half time. We've flown through this first half to explain where we're all set up for the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. After the break, we're going to go into the real strength or lack of of the international game and where the Nines tournament that's uh, going to be taking place in October after the NRL Grand Final fits in the overall scheme of things. On this edition of Splinters, we'll be back after this. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday. Friday from 6 p.m. Sydney Bears hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Yes, welcome back to Splinters. My name is Tony Dawson on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com wherever you pick up your podcasts. After that, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, etc. Terry Liberopoulos is with me. Let's get stuck into the reasons behind the Greek saga tragedy of what's gone on there. Uh, first of all, you are officially the manager of the Greek Rugby League national team or one of the, the managers, is that correct? What's the official title these days? Well, we could say, well, manager just basically managed, especially all the international operations he, here in Australia for yep. the Greek side uh, on the board in, in Greece as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, anything to do... I, I concentrate just on the international side of things. Uh, yes. We've got people there that do a great job in Greece, the, the domestic side of things, that they worry about that. I'm not in Greece. Of course you know, not. On a regular basis to, you know... To oversee that. You look the, after the, the, the uh, international side of things. The international side. Fair. Make sure that we look after, you know, get players, look at players, see if players are eligible, uh, you know, raise all the raise funds, try and get sponsorship bit of everything. We'll come to that uh, very briefly in a moment. But the situation behind the problems of trying to play in Greece with certain individuals who got themselves into power, formed a rebel organisation, but that may be changing as a result of the recent elections. Go into the details now. You were chopping at the bit before we went to the break. Well, what's happened? Well, you know, it was called the Hellenic Rugby League. Um say back six, seven years ago, and everything was going well. Um, the guy in charge there that, that ran the show was named, he was named Tassos, and everything by about 2014 was going sweet, and then 2015, there was troubles in the horizon. We could see it, um, and what happened is there was a five-team competition, um, and one of the 
well, Roger Knights. They were the prem, they were the champions and domestically and great domestic the domestic champions there. Um, you know, basically they were told they won't be in um, the competition the following year. Um, basically, so basically, he's kicked them out. That was the start of many things, and we got a uh, a message, uh, email from the club saying, "This is what's going on. Uh, we are going to split." In Greece, we're gonna we, we can't handle it anymore. They told him to resign. Uh, Tassos, that is. That's it. Yep, he wouldn't. Um, and he's basically said, they they split, and they said to us, uh, if we split, would you will you be behind us? What's you what's your stand? And we said, guys, after we look at everything, yeah, if you guys want to split, we understand, no problem. So really, it was going to be four out of the five clubs. One of them didn't in the end, and um, I don't want to go into it, the reasons there, but. Uh, Politics involved, let's just yeah, put it that way. Anyway, the top three sides left, and they formed the fourth side as well, and they started playing their own matches. Their own friendly matches had their own little competition. He was still part. Satasos and the Hellenic Rugby League was still the official body. Yes. And in 2015, um, they were supposed to play Malta. He forfeited that game, saying because of the economic reasons and all that. Um, but the real reasons were that he couldn't get the players from the breakaway teams from the, the well, rebel competition. Well, he's going to use his own place. But the thing is, um, he did play Spain in, in Athens, uh, and that was a qualifying game for the 2017, and they, they lost you know, 70 or so points. Anyway, the Hellenic Rugby League, um, eventually the European Federation came in and said there's certain things um, that didn't add up. Yeah, and I, financially. I, a lot of things. It wasn't just that. It was a lot of things, and I'm not gonna okay you know, for legal reasons. I'm not gonna go into that. But sure. the European Federal came in. They actually went. They actually went unannounced to Athens, and they looked at the, the both competitions. They looked at sure. Of course, our because comp- on the certain weekend there was supposed to be competitions played from both comps. Our our one went ahead. Played, went ahead. He's nothing, basically, he, struggling with players. Anyway. The European Federation came in and said, you know, we need to see all the paperwork with this, this, this. You've got to follow all the criteria. You've got, you know, you've got to do this and get back to us. You know, clean financial records, everything. Uh, eventually, they were suspended. Didn't come up with that. The Hellenic Rugby League, that is. The Hellenic Rugby League. And then eventually, they got expelled. They told them, if you're not going to do it in four, within four months or something, you're going to get expelled. Uh, so what happened is, um, knowing that they were going to get expelled, and this is where it gets... You know, very messy. Com- comical, actually, is probably the right word. He um, he decided. Well, rugby league. In order to be a federation in Greece, you've got to have twenty clubs minimum. Yes. It's very hard to get the twenty clubs. So what they do in, in Greece, they put they put sports under another federation. Whether they another put sport. rugby union under handball. Another sport. You know, it's like putting you know rugby league in Australia under the soccer. You know, the soccer runs. It's just laughable. Anyway. So Tassos moved the Hellenic Rugby League under the control of another body. Well, Tassos to gain was, federation Tassos was, status. Was, was working within the sports ministry out of the, their current government, which was Syriza. They were, they came into power, so he got in there. He wasn't just any Joe Blow from the street can go and do it. Yeah. Because he was involved, he got under the pentathlon. I don't know how he got himself into the pentathlon. But he pulled, managed to the get modern right. pentathlon. We're talking about modern here. pentathlon. Modern pentathlon association. Rugby, the Hellenic Rugby League managed to affiliate themselves with the yep. modern pentathlon association of Greece. That's right. But in order to do that under Greek law, you have to 
make sure certain you've got to do this criteria. Yes. And one of them is that the government governing federation has to approve it, which is the European the right Federation. The European Federation. But of course they didn't approve it. So this is where again it gets funny is so he formed World Rugby League Federation. He formed his own federation and he was in charge, president of that federation. Of course, president of the World Rugby League Federation, a rebel group outside of so the international, like, outside of the Rugby League International Federation and the European Federation. So we'll make our own one. And his argument was that the European Federation is only a company. It doesn't matter what they are, they're still the federation. They're the ones that oversee the game. It's like FIFA telling you, you can't do this. But anyway, I'll go make my own soccer, World Soccer Federation. So he creates his own federation. And he also ta- yeah, and he gets in touch with the Italian rebels, and also um, Ikram Bar from the Pakistan, who's is um, he gets the Pakistan side involved as well. So with this, rugby league goes on the modern pentathlon. Eventually, Tassos becomes in charge of modern pentathlon. So he's in charge of modern pentathlon and rugby league. So on paper, the legal body. Is, is, is the modern pentathlon. Yes. Meanwhile, we're still playing rugby league, and in the meantime, they we do all the paperwork for the European Federation to get associate membership. The Greek rugby league, that the is. The Greek rugby league, yeah. And they become associate members, follow the criteria to get the membership. So the, the back is the legal body according to the European Federation. The European Federation. Federation, but the Hellenic rugby league are the body under the World Rugby League Federation, which is formed by the same individual yeah. that is the CEO of the Hellenic Rugby League. And mind you, they haven't, I don't think they haven't played 13-a-side rugby league in two years. You know, they play some nines games, and at the moment, I don't think there's any teams. You know, they're claiming there's so many teams. There was, you know, three teams last year. One got disbanded. Um, the other ones, they just make up, make up the numbers from... Um, another team so really it was like one down to one team it wasn't really a regular competition we were, we were having a regular competition then when it came to the international rugby league we were re- we were the one recognised so the we Greek played. rugby league is recognised as the Greek team rather than the Hellenic yeah. rugby league and then when we played Malta we played in Athens but we had to play that in secret because what the problem is is he caused the police Okay, the Tassos police. calls the Greek police. The police are called, saying, we don't think that there's a game on, he'll call the police to stop that game. To and, say it's illegal. And to say, like, because you need a permit, and if you're not part of the Greek government, and you, how, how are you going to get, get a permit? You're not going to get a permit if he's in the, in part, you know, part of the government. You're not going to get a permit. You know what I mean? So, so the only way to stop games is he, he, he calls, them, he calls um, the police and they come out. Now, a lot of the games have been played on private grounds. They have a private soccer grounds with artificial... Yep. So a lot of games are played on there. But to get a good ground with grass and that, it's a government ground. So that's where the police get called in, try and stop the game, we've got to go to court, um, trying to sue everybody. Have there been a number of games stopped? Well, there's been games um, where the police have turned up. And those, the, the, the big one was when this. Um, European the, the Super League they had the Balkan Super League yes uh, the Serbian team was down here and with about 10 or so minutes to go they called, the police had turned up but to their credit and common sense prevailed the police let the game finish and then uh, the head of the Serbian rugby league who was in charge the manager there and uh, one of our guys had to go back to the police station 
fill out, I don't know, paperwork on all that. It's just, it is ridiculous because all you do is just playing rugby league. Um, but no, he is trying to, he is trying to, that's what he's doing to try and stop it. What happened, um, what happened two weeks ago, they had the elections and the government got defeated easily. So basically, there's a new government in there. So that's at the moment trying to talk to the new government about trying to have a game in Greece, playing in Athens. Uh, there's been talks going on for the last few weeks. But Tassos is not, isn't going to, is going to stand his ground. But with his political masters having changed, he's going to have to do some bidding now as well. Well, the thing is, you know, he hasn't got the power, but he's part of this political party that's not in charge anymore. They've, they've been in charge for so many years that he was... Um, he was there and causing causing trouble and and we you know and the last six or so months there's been a big campaign to let Greece play you know it's all this hashtag let Greece play um, protests and everything and El Jazeera the television station they did a report there yep. and, and Danny came Danny has Danny from the International Federation he came out on TV and said um Look, you know, we recognise the, the Greek Rugby League. Not the Hellenic Rugby not the, League. We don't recognise them at all. You know, they're not part of it. And everything goes to, um, you know, with us. We play the internationals. And that's why when it comes to the World Cup, uh, we, we just have to be smart about it. Because if, if we can't get a letter from the government saying we can play in Athens, we'll go to London. Uh, for the moment, because we just don't want a game stopped, a crucial game stopped. Well, at the if moment. this is a World Cup qualifier, it'd be far, the, the greatest farce, one of the greatest farces in international sport to ever a World Cup qualifier stopped by the police during play because of something like this. Big, when, when will when will you know? You say it's fifty fifty now. Um, you cannot wait until the night before or the day no, before. No, no, no. There within, has to be a cutoff. Within two weeks, we'll know. Uh, we've already got uh, the plan B to go to London, so we, we, we've... Um, to the London we'll, Scholars Ground where you've beaten Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll head there if, if you can have, by the start of July. If we haven't got any answers or we... I mean, we, the start of August. It's not going anywhere. Start of August, you mean, yeah. Um, this, yeah, that's right. Um, start of August, we will just um, head to London and play the game there. Uh, Russia, we're playing Moscow anyway, so it's a no-way game, so... We don't have to worry about that um, in regards to... Apart from the visas that the Russians might not give you. All right, let's then have a look at the problems that have beset the Lebanese with the the dispute that Robbie Farah and a couple of the Australian-based stars that they have against the Lebanese Federation, where we had the Lebanese cedar tree being blacked out and covered with tape or threatened to be covered with tape heading into... The, uh, the match they played at Leichhardt during uh, yeah. the international weekend. Where are we at with that? Well, because think, Lebanon let's... have similar sort of <coughs> troubles in, a, in another roundabout way with their domestic competition, and they've already qualified for the World Cup. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, there's, and that won't be the last nation. It's just people coming, people coming to power and they... I don't know what they're thinking. You know, they're thinking they're just going to have all this power. They're going to have money. They're going to have this and that. that it's they're not. I don't know. Are the rugby league people? Because in Lebanon, they they used to do well. They used to have. They were based around universities. The rugby yes. league competition. They had a lot of international matches in Lebanon and and, and uh, Europe. They were always playing. Uh, and the last couple of years, just there's been no no activity. Nothing in yep. domestically. Um, what? 
what the reason is, I don't know 100%. Um, the Lebanese players, they're saying there's been no activity at all. Nothing's, they're not doing anything. It's all been, you know, it's all come down to nothing, you know, for the last two years, especially on the back of 2017 uh, when they did well. Uh, Made the quarterfinals and beat why, France in Canberra. And, and, and then they're back in the World Cup. So why isn't there any, you know, domestic competition? Why isn't, why aren't they doing, you know, playing, you know, just domestic only players games like they used to? What? There's no, there's no, nothing's coming out of there. And the, well, the European International Federation is, you know, trying to find out what's going on. But there has been, the activity has been zero. I mean, I've, I haven't... So from what we understand right now, there is no domestic competition in Lebanon? No, well, they said they put it on hold. Um, why do you put it on hold, you know? and I don't know. So therefore, they'll be running the risk of no domestic players in this 2021 World Cup. And if they don't get out of their pool and make the quarterfinals, they're then back into oblivion. Oh, well, that's right, because you've got to, you know, you've got to have activity back in your, your home country. There's no point just doing, you know, playing games, you know, especially in Australia, you know, just that's all you do. It's, I understand why teams do that, because just to, you know, get players involved and bring new play, heritage players through. Yep. But you need to be doing something back home, because it's just a waste of time. You know, you can't, I mean, for the, it, it took us years, I mean, to finally get things Greece, started. Yes, yeah. uh, and that was, and that was because we had, you know, aside from that, we had another, there's a guy there, George, is still there, and he's done a lot of hard, the hard yards, and he's, he's an Australian Greek that's, yep. that lives there now, yep. and he's been living there for a while. Sure. And he knows, he knows rugby league, and he's there for the right reasons. Uh, and that's, that's the thing is, you've got to have the right people in there, but, there's no point. People in, say, Greece, if they're looking at, if we just have a team of just Australian-based Greeks, you know, they, they won't be interested because they want their own players. When we played the Emerging Nations last year, okay, we, we already were... That we covered here on Triple H, yes. Okay, we, we, were, uh, we played Ukraine, played Malta, and it was a cost factor, but we still bought our four players. Four yeah. players came out and, and they played. They didn't play a token game here. There was four, you know, one, one right. played in every game. Yep. And where two played in three games and one played in two, and that's because, and two of them were injured. They could have played more. So they could have played, you know, two of them could have played four games. Sure. And the other two, three. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't, we didn't win. We didn't win the tournament. But it wasn't about that. It was about getting these guys to be, be involved. And that's done a world of good back home because, you know, the local guys... That was just interested in, the, in their players. Yeah. It was their own four that were interested, you know. If it was just 17 eyes, there's, there's no interest. We've seen it, like, you know, starting in 2003, we took us three years to get to Greece to play a game. Uh, we went back again. There was a few years of non-activity. Uh, and then back again from 2012, rugby league's been played in Greece. How's the Tassos saga uh, galvanised those on the Greek rugby league side of the fence? to press on and keep going against the odds? Well, I think they've got a point of no return now. Uh, they're very res resilient. I mean, at the start, there was a lot of threats, a lot of, um, you know, we're going to get sued and things like that. Uh, and it scares you, especially the younger guys. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get a bit older, you just, you laugh in the face, you know. Yeah. You, you understand. You, you just get on with it. So yeah. It's just part of life experience. But um, now, the, the more they go, the more resilient they are and, and they just keep going. And, just to attract more players and attract, you know, more teams and the women's women's side of things and juniors to do that without actually getting any publicity because you can't 
publicise where the training's going to be. You can't... You for, know, fear of the, the, for fear of the police fear, shutting it down at the hands of Tassos. That's the issue. The issue is calling the police, stopping the games, you know, and, and then got to go back to the station and all, all that. Back to police stations and fill out paperwork so games are held in secret. Now, you mentioned the women's game in, elsewhere in Europe. Outside of the eight nations that have qualified, we all marvel at the women's national rugby league, women's state of origin here, the growth of the women's game. But there are small offshoots there. You were mentioning Greece are going to play Turkey. Yes. Yeah, in tip- men's and women's men's rugby and league. Double header. A, a double header. And at a venue, you're telling me, almost taunting Tassos, uh, on the Greek-Turkish border, on the Turkish side, by about five miles. It is, that's, and that's the reason we're playing there. It sits um, right on the border. It's on the Turkish side of things, so he can call the police as many times as he likes. Um, nothing, you know, can't stop the game being played. Uh, the two games, there's a current, originally it was just going to be the women's um, play, but then it's decided we one and we just play the men's. And the men's one will be just domestic players only from both, both nations. Just domestic players only. Uh, you know, we've got one of our players in um, in England. He's not playing. It's just going to be the guys just playing this year in the Greek competition and the Turkish competition. Just gives a few extra guys opportunity to play for Greece, and also just gives you a guide on how they're going as well. Sure. Uh, the women's one, like twelve months ago. I mean, they did play. They were playing a bit of union tournaments, but they want to. They were still training in rugby league, especially from Patras. That's where they they started from. Yeah. Uh, but now in, in Athens, um, you know, there's a lot of girls there in Athens, um, and they have uh, regular tournaments. And I remember one of the girls came, which is the captain, Liviana. She's the, she's been announced as the captain. Um, she came all the way from Patras to when we were playing Malta. Just said, Terry, can we get a game going? Can you, you know, can you do something about, you know, something? We would love to have a game, you know, national, international game. Went back to Australia and the Emerging Nations was on. Um, yep. And there, there's, there's a Turkey team, uh, Julian Troy, who's, who, are, who I knew from uh, when Turkey played their first ever international yep. against Greece yep. in 2016. Uh, he was there uh, with a couple of the other officials and I just mentioned, I said, can we do something? And he knows the whole story about Tassos because in 2016... Again, tried to stop it in roads, uh, but we, you know, we still pressed ahead with it. So he's basically said, "Well, yeah, let's play Nadine." I said, "Is there, is there a border town? Can we play right on the border?" And he said, "Yes, we got a good thing in Nadine." And um, yeah, Tassos wants to go and watch it. He's more than welcome to go and watch it. Uh, and that's September fourteenth. Will you be sending him an invitation? No, probably not. But um, yeah, it's you know the. There's a gate there. We don't discriminate against anyone. Anyone that, wants, <laughs> anyone that wants to watch the rugby league, play rugby league. As long as they pay their way through the gate. You know, it might even be a free gate. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be live streamed, both games. And So uh, that's September 14. September 14, not too long. Right today. in the middle of the Australian final series. All right, fair enough. Now, we'll keep an eye on that. The World Nines, which is now going to be on in October. A lot of people in the from the NRL on this side of the fence that have not perhaps the appreciation of these struggles that they should have is trying to claim that this is going to be the start of the internationalisation of the game if the teams start playing nines. What's your take on that, seeing that you're at the coalface of the internationalisation of the game, the real internationalisation of the game, the battles you're fighting, and seeing the development in places like Serbia, where Phil Economides, a former Gold Coast coach, 
is now the coach of Red Star Belgrade um, and is making a full-time living out of the game there. Um, what's your take on this Nines concept? Is it just a, a something kind of kite in the sky being flown by the NRL to put, put some content out there at the end of the NRL season? Yeah, look, I'm really not sure, and I, I, keep, I keep thinking about this. It's, two, it's a two-day event, and how much money is it going to cost you know, to have all these, these nations here? And these are the top nations. Um, you know, if, if you can make money, great. But how do we build on that? Because to me, I still thought the sevens was a good concept, but you used to have teams, all these nations that used to always aim for their sevens. To, to, at least they had something to aim for. Um, Fiji, that's how they started. Yep. And we were 92 World Sevens when they... Um, when they was a Colonel Rebook came in and said, I will support you. They all left Union, they got banned, and they started... Colonel Rambuka supported them, the Colonel came in. Came they, in. they were the, the, the darlings of the tournament, the uh, tournament that Wigan won in the final, yeah. uh, of course. And, and you have and all these other nations. the world. You know, the United States came in on the on the back. All these smaller nations used this as a launch pad to do it. I mean, even Lebanon, 97 World Sevens, um, it was the ARL ones. They used that as the launch pad. And you had Italy. Italy, they did play back in the, back in the you know, 50s and 60s. Yes, that that's correct. But then it stopped. It stopped uh, it because stopped. there was talk that the Australian kangaroos on the old kangaroo tours would... Uh, Tour Italy either on the way there or on the way home and play a test match. Well, they did. They so. played two, two. They played two tests so against Italy, but they couldn't get insurance. They couldn't get government recognition because the rugby union wouldn't let them. They had a lot of power, but the World Sevens they used that tool to come yep. back. You know, when you had the likes of Morocco, Canada, all these nations that were coming out and aiming, and Japan. They used that as the tool because you didn't need 18, 19, 20 players as well. You know, you can, the Super you can... League War killed that off, unfortunately, and this is now a supposed attempt to raise it back. But is it half-hearted? Well, we need to get these smaller nations back. But um, what what do you do? You know, my thoughts: okay, have this World Nines. Hopefully, make some money, um, and then you can play to different. Um, you know, can you play in the UK or can you play in America? But I think the Emerging Nations World Cup is what the International Federation should look at, and maybe every two years do something. It's every two years, but they've got to put money into well, it. Well, it was 18 years between the between the Emerging Nations World Cups, to, between the one in 2000 as an adjunct to the World Cup then, and what was played in Western Sydney in October and November last and, year. And it was a fantastic tournament, and um, it just gives hope for these smaller nations that they want to get into rugby league. I've just started to, oh, hang on, let's aim. Like Cameroon, well, you know, there was talks about them coming. They came to the, the meetings. They want to come. But who's to stop, you know, stop them coming from the next one? But if we had something like that, you can get the likes, and you can get the likes of some other nations, like India, for example. You know, they played the first game um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and the coach said, well, our aim is to get into the Emerging Nations World Cup. Well, we don't know when the next Emerging Nations World Cup is. But they, Correct. And, I, and I, that's I, a problem because we're that's focusing on World Nines and at the expense well, of the Well, hopefully the World Nines make money Cup. and they have a, they should put a, a, a pool, money pool, goes aside like 5% or 10% goes into for the Emerging Nations World Cup and then have, a, have the next one in, in, the, in um, Europe because that means most there's so many nations in Europe playing rugby league yeah. and you know have a, have a, have a you know most of the players domestic players will come 
will come from the countries. You won't have more the Aussies, uh, and then have it back in Australia. At the moment, I think alternative between you, uh, Europe and and uh, Australia will be the best way to go because in Europe they've got a, there's a lot of nations very close by. They can actually drive to a central. You know, you play that game in Serbia or somewhere like, like Czech Republic. Yep. A lot of nations can actually drive there, not just fly. They can drive there, and they have the and domestic down guys. The they don't have to. Yeah, you don't have something like Hungary goes there. They're not going to look at bringing fifteen players from Australia. They can have most of them from Hungary. You know, same with Greece, and then bring a few players, heritage players. I think that's the way to go. Is uh, that's promotion. That's you know that's development, and that's what we need. The nines. I don't know. I'm not that excited to tell you to tell you the truth. Uh, I just hope. You know, people turn up for it. But will they in October? When they're footballed out, who knows? You know, All right, we're rapidly running out of time. The one thing I want to ask you before we go, the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. We're supposed to be going to Canada and the United States. There's a bucket load of question marks about the state of the game there and how healthy the Rugby League World Cup in 2025 could be or would be if we go there in front of no people with no interest and no publicity. Is there a plan B? Is there a backup? Because now that we're in this four-year pattern, we need to have a World Cup in 2025 and beyond. Well, there will be a World Cup 2025, but we just won't be in, in, in America. Uh, unless you got a financial guarantee. Uh, there was problems when um, they had the England versus New Zealand game in Denver. Uh, in regards to costs and that, and money not being paid and and you need you not just a guarantee you need money up front uh in the in the bank uh and i just don't think it's going to happen in 2025 i've said it from day one it won't, it's not going to happen it was provisionally given it to him uh i think it's going to go back to down under and you know you can make money down in australia so 2025 at the moment the way we've got things is you're going to have 2025 australia then 2029 back northern hemisphere and uh, slowly and slowly you branch out maybe have a game in fiji or you know you're always going to have games in png australia new zealand but branch out and have a couple games here and there maybe have a game you know could you have a game in in um in america you know just to test the waters out not the whole tournament when you go back to the uk you've already played games in france island maybe take a game to serbia if they're in the competition or take a game somewhere else to spain especially when they played at barcelona why don't you you know take take a game there that's a, probably the best way to do it you can't just go and have a walk up based in spain because it's not it won't work it won't work and that's the fear about the world cup in canada and the united states that's in right. 2025 because you've got to make a profit Look, we have run out of time. We could go on for another three or four hours about this. I think we've barely scratched the surface, but we have run out of time for now. It's always great to catch up with you. You can buy your rugby league review, as I mentioned, at all good news agencies right now. A few bad Greek ones as well, but buy subscription at the website, www.rugbyleaguereview.com. Terry Liberopoulos, always great to catch up. Good luck with the Greek saga tragedy that is ongoing with the Greek Rugby League, and hopefully we can see the blue and white Greek flag take on perhaps Australia in a pool game in the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. That would be the ultimate dream, wouldn't it? That would be fantastic. Who, who would have thought? Only a few short years ago, you know, Greece is playing in a World Cup. 
Well, let's see what happens. Terry, thanks for your time. We'll catch up soon. Not a problem. That's another edition of Splitters for another Tuesday night. You can follow it and download it from podcasts.com. We'll be back next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on Triple H 100.1 FM and at www.triplehfm.com.au with another edition of Splitters. Until then, this is Tony Dose of the Sultan saying goodbye. Goodbye.